listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, you may have seen the article that I wrote with the Acts 29 blog earlier this week in regards to the rising, the sharp rise in alcohol use and abuse here in the United States and how the church might respond. I talked with my editor there at Acts 29 back in December. I said, hey, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing this in my own community and conversations I'm having with other ministry leaders around the country. It's something I'm seeing that's coming up in secular online articles. Is this something you're seeing too? And just like my conversations with so many other people around the nation, she said, yes, that is absolutely something I'm also seeing in my community. And so um, we felt like we really were striking a nerve here, just something that a lot of people are maybe discussing sort of in hushed tones and private conversations. You know, it's a topic that we sort of hesitate to raise, but then when somebody, somebody finally does, you know, everybody else sort of joins in, like the dam is broken, the stigma is removed, people feel permission to go ahead and process out loud. So maybe you've noticed that too in your neighborhood. I'm going to, of course, um, link the article in my show notes along with so many other articles, which you can see exactly what I um, have, what I'm talking about here. I think it's just that sense, this sort of suspicion or a conviction that maybe some of us are drinking a little too much alcohol. The scenario that I keep hearing is especially during COVID lockdowns, life was more boring and more stressful than it had been. We didn't have anywhere to go. Things were uncertain. People were losing jobs. Kids were home. There was just a lot of stress and alcohol became an easy means of coping. You know, having a drink with dinner, maybe many days evolved into having a few drinks um, throughout the week, or maybe even a few drinks every day. And then it turned into having those drinks earlier in the day. And I think many people are now wondering if maybe they don't have an unhealthy dependency on alcohol. And it really feels all too taboo to talk about in polite conversation. So yeah, my editor said, I'm seeing that everywhere. I said, I'm seeing it everywhere too. Um, it's not that I necessarily have my finger on the pulse of what's happening all over America, but this is a trend. This is a cultural trend that's happening in multiple locations and we're seeing it in secular outlets as well. Well, before we dive further into this topic, um, going further than that, um, original article actually went, I just want to say you and I know that alcohol consumption is an issue of Christian liberty. You know, we look to Romans 14 and we acknowledge that one's one person's faith allows him or her to drink while another person's faith does not. And as Romans 14, one through four says, we choose not to quarrel. We choose not to treat one another with contempt or judge one another over this disputable matter. So I personally feel a liberty to drink alcohol. Um, I don't think drinking Drinking is wrong or should necessarily, as a rule, be strictly avoided by Christians or ministry leaders. You know, I see, for example, in Psalm 104, where um, it says that God causes grass to grow for the livestock and provides crops for man to cultivate, producing food from the earth, wine that makes human hearts glad making his face shine with oil and bread that sustains human hearts. And of course, we see Jesus turning water into good wine for the wedding celebration. Um, Isaiah chapter 25 speaks to a feast with aged wine. So for my personal conviction is that 
consuming alcohol is permissible. Now, I know ministry leaders and Christians um, in my own community here in Colorado, but as well as in the faith families that I've been a part of in other countries overseas, ministry leaders and Christians who do not drink. They just decide, you know what? It's not a risk I'm willing to take. I know that alcohol is a stronghold and a um, addiction as well as just a force for evil in so many people's lives. And so I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to be seen drinking. I don't want to be seen as endorsing it. Um, I just want to be you know, c- completely removed from alcohol. And then I know ministry leaders who do drink it, who feel like this is a gift and I'm going to freely enjoy it. Um, now the question I want to ask for those of us who say, okay, drinking is permissible considering the sharp rise in alcohol use around the country. Are we willing to pause and take an honest look at ourselves, our friends and our faith families? Those of us who have said, okay, drinking is allowed. Well then are we willing to, um, really pause and be honest and, and take a moment to evaluate, you know, especially for, ministry leaders or church leaders, I think that we need to um, ask ourselves if there's not too much drinking done in the name of Christian liberty. Is there a chance that we take it too far sometimes? You know, out of a statement that we are at liberty to drink, we want to cast off the yoke of legalism, maybe make the point that our faith is a relationship with the Lord and not a religion. Um, You know, I have, have some bad habits developed or some dependencies developed. And maybe it's not us, but maybe it's people in our communities or people we love. Have we created a safe space for people to explore this and to really have the conversation? Is too much drinking happening in my own life or in my own community? Is there an expectation in our communities that drinking will always take place at events? Do people feel, um, at, do they feel a freedom to not drink in some of our gatherings? I think and some of the questions we just want to be asking ourselves and asking one another. So just in the past 48 hours, since I released that article, I've heard from so many ministry leaders, so many church attendees, a number of people who have um, either emailed me or DM'd me and just said, Hey, thanks for that article. I feel very isolated, um, either in my own struggle or witnessing the struggle of others, and I don't know how to help, or I don't know how to get help. Um, I definitely get the sense that this topic is taboo, and people are afraid to talk about it. And so my hope is that the article and that this podcast will serve as just a springboard for greater conversations in your own community. So first of all, as I addressed in the article, alcohol use in the United States is way up. You know, when lockdown orders first went into effect now almost two years ago, the United States saw a 54% increase in alcohol sales. So people ran out and bought a ton of alcohol in preparation for lockdown. Alcohol consumption rose among adults over age 30 by 14% during the pandemic, but get this, a 41% increase in women heavily drinking. So women heavily drinking during the pandemic went up by 41%. Now, nearly one in five American adults is using heavy drinking to cope with stress that has resulted from the pandemic. And heavy drinking is defined like this, having had two heavy drinking days in a single week, at least twice in the previous 30 days, and a heavy drinking day is defined as four or more drinks containing alcohol for women and five or more drinks containing alcohol for men. 
And while the pandemic, I think, certainly exacerbated the situation, it was, if we're honest, already on the rise prior to coronavirus. And we see this in the research as well. Um, an article that I shared in social media um, just a couple days ago, if, uh, posted by Harvard Health, says that between 2001 and 2013, there was a 16% increase in the proportion of women who drink alcohol, a 58% increase in women's heavy drinking and an 84% increase in women's one-year prevalence of an alcohol use disorder. So way up. Those numbers are way higher um, than the increase that we have seen in men. And that particular article has a perspective that these sharp increases, especially for women, are due to changing social norms around female alcohol consumption and the alcohol industry's targeted marketing to women. So when I talk about this with females in my own community or around the country or online or in these articles, there is definitely a consensus that, yeah, it's increasingly normal for women to drink. There's a sharp rise in alcohol use amongst girls in college. There is definitely this sort of cultural trend, this cultural norm that moms need wine, that they need, um, you know, a glass of wine in the late afternoon or early evening to get through the crazy of the day, or they, um, have worked hard and deserve to have that, um, drink at night that they want to plop on the couch. And it's just, you know, hard one throughout the day. Um, I think there's a huge increase in alcohol being prevalent at work events. You know, I definitely hearing from friends who's, um, it's the norm for their corporations to have happy hours and, um, just events where there's a lot of alcohol flowing. I think there's a sense in our, in our culture that alcohol is necessary to get through a tough day or through a tough season. You know, it's a reward for doing a hard thing, a reward for working hard. I think we also look at alcohol, you know, as something that we need for courage or bravery or to do something crazy. Um, we need it to unwind or to rest. We need it to have fun or we need it to help us with anxiety or stress. In fact, I remember just this past fall, um, you know, I started following a few different dry or sober or non-alcoholic accounts online um, just to sort of see more about the community out there as well as in support of some friends who have been um, seeking to abstain from alcohol. And I remember just seeing this list back in October, you know, we need alcohol for um, a reward. We need alcohol for bravery to help us unwind, to help us to rest, all the things that I just listed. And it just hit me in that moment, man, I think alcohol has actually become an idol. We are looking to alcohol to deliver us, to help us. You know, it's taken place, this place of prominence in our culture. And these are really things when we, when we look at them, like peace and rest and refreshment, these are things we should be looking to from the Lord. These are things we should be asking God for, for courage, for bravery, um, to help us with our anxiety or our stress. These are things that God wants to give us and we settle for the counterfeit of alcohol instead. So I think this increase in drinking around the country and in our communities definitely tells us there is an increase in suffering. People are looking to alleviate their suffering. So how can the church respond? Well, first, I think that we need to know what does an unhealthy relationship with alcohol look like? Um, And that question might seem really obvious, but it's just not. Alcohol use and misuse has been widely normalized. So an unhealthy relationship with alcohol might actually sort of surprise you what that really looks like. And we'll talk about that in just a second. So after we kind of sort of identify that, then I think we have to acknowledge if there, if we have an alcohol dependency ourselves, um, I think we need to make room for others 
to acknowledge that in themselves. And then we just need to be fostering an environment that supports those who want to be having this conversation and those who feel like they do need to step away from drinking. So there are some surprising truths about the, um, about alcohol use disorder. So I feel like when we were growing up and even now people just use the word alcoholic. Um, you know, the word alcoholic brings to mind images of brown paper sacks and abusive rages. You know, we, we look at, we, we think of that term and look at that kind of person. And, um, it's an extreme image, you know, and it causes us to think and to say, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm an alcoholic. You know, we look at that particular image and go, well, that's not me. Um, because social norms and marketing have really changed in the last couple decades, making drinking and even drunkenness seem normal and necessary and no big deal. Um, but healthcare professionals are no longer saying the word alcoholic. We're not really using that term, at least mental health professionals um, and medical professionals are not using it anymore. They now refer to alcohol use disorder, AUD, because an unhealthy relationship with alcohol is not black and white. It's not, well, you are an alcoholic or you're not. It's really a spectrum. And the severity of AUD is based on the number of symptoms that a person has. So if you have a couple, two or three symptoms, then maybe you have mild AUD. But if you have six or more, then it's it's considered that you have severe AUD. So let me just say here that the dietary guidelines of the Department of Health of Human Services says that men should have no more than two drinks a day and women should have no more than one. And what do we mean by drinks? Because I think that's important too. We tend to be very generous pourers here in the United States. You know, our servings are large, whether it comes to food or alcohol, we tend to dish out big servings. So a drink is 12 ounces of beer, 1.5 ounces of liquor, or five ounces of wine. And drinking is considered moderate or low risk, at least by our current guidelines, when men have 14 or fewer drinks a week and women have seven. So I think, first of all, we just got to be honest about what size drinks are we pouring and how many. Because if you're having a generous glass of wine every night, more than five ounces, or if you're having two glasses of wine every night and you're a woman, then you have already you know, exceeded by far the dietary guidelines of our health and human services. So some of the symptoms of AUD, alcohol use disorder, are likely to be considered sort of commonplace. And that's what I think makes them surprising. Like you're like, whoa, this is a symptom of a disorder. Like this sort of seems normal. And I'm, I'm going to link the website for the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. So you can look this up yourself. But just some of the symptoms of AUD include, for example, you have had times when you drank more or for longer than you intended, or you wanted to cut down on drinking, but you couldn't, or that you have to now drink more than you used to in order to achieve the same effect. So those are some things that I think even a casual drinker might say, yeah, I can identify with that. Some of the symptoms of AUD that are more obvious are like, you know, drinking makes you sick, or you want to drink so badly, you can't really even think of anything else. Or drinking interferes with you taking care of your home or your family or your job or your school. So the point is that we tend to sort of compare. We go, well, you know, it's not like I drink as much as her. It's not like I drink as much as him. I think we need to be asking, what is my personal relationship with alcohol like? Am I dependent on it? Am I overusing it? Do I look for something in alcohol 
that I really should be looking for from God himself? Is it something that, you know, God wants to do in my life? And I'm, I'm replacing that with alcohol or, or a role that even community or counseling or the church might fulfill. And we're looking to alcohol to give us peace. You know, the pandemic exacerbated all of this because we were collectively in a a stressful scenario. And and really, we still are. Um, We've lost relationships. We've lost jobs. There's increased anxiety. And drinking alcohol provides a short burst in dopamine levels. So it's, it's an easy place to look for some relief. But then I think the reality is people need a little more and then a little more and everyone else is drinking too. And, you know, at least I'm not drinking as much as her or him. And before you know it, there is a use disorder we are misusing it or abusing it or even addicted. And so as Christians, we have to respond to this crisis. The reality is the numbers don't lie. Um, People are increasingly being harmed by their alcohol misuse. Um, So we, we need to... We need to be taking an honest look at what's happening in our communities Um, for several reasons. First of all, the misuse of alcohol is detrimental to the bodies and souls of people. You know, it is well documented that drinking even a little bit too much is related to numerous physical and mental health issues. I found it really interesting that in recent years, some studies have come out saying no amount of alcohol consumption is safe or good for you. So there was this global burden of disease study, which analyzed levels of alcohol use and its health effects in 195 countries from 1990 to 2016. While the study's authors say that moderate drinking may safeguard people against heart disease, they found that the potential to develop cancer and other diseases offsets these potential benefits, as do other risks of harm. So the report is urging governments around the world to revise their health guidelines. Um, There was another study that looked at data from more than 25,000 middle-aged adults. Um, I think this particular study, I'll link it, it comes out of Oxford. And the study found that moderate consumption is more closely associated with adverse effects on the brain than was previously known. They found that alcohol was negatively associated with global brain gray matter volume. So in other words, alcohol is associated with dementia and even moderate intake can affect brain dementia. Alcohol use can also unnecessarily put the alcohol user in dangerous situations, right? We know that self-harm rises sharply when alcohol is at play. We know that alcohol impairs our abilities to think carefully and to protect ourselves. A friend and I were just talking yesterday about how alcohol is marketed so carefully to college women, and um, there's just a culture of drinking heavily, even amongst females on college campuses, and yet... There's also the reality of rape culture on campuses and drinking impairs women's ability to advocate for themselves and to keep them safe. And um, rape on college campuses is all too prevalent and almost always coincides with the overuse of alcohol. Of course, drinking and driving is an issue as well. So first, we need to be concerned about the misuse of alcohol because it hurts bodies and souls. Um, you know, secondly, the Bible tells us that our bodies belong to God. He is our creator and we are just stewards of what belongs to him. Um, so we're, if, if we're indulging in food or drinks or activities, you know, those things might be permissible for us, but are they good for us? Are they detrimental to us? Are they a blessing or are they a cursing? The apostle Paul says we should not be mastered or dominated by anything in first Corinthians chapter six. But finally, I think the church should be 
concerned about this and moving toward this um, because the misuse of alcohol really is an attempt to find peace and healing and wholeness that can only be found in Jesus. People are numbing their minds to cope with what is stressful. And that is really a counterfeit to the satisfaction that comes from having a relationship with the God who made us and died to save us. So we who are followers of Jesus and Jesus gives abundant life, um, I think we need to offer that abundant life. We need to be holding out hope. We need to be holding out light to those who are walking in darkness, who are walking in the shadows of alcohol. Um, Jesus offers true hope and consolation in contrast to the counterfeit comfort of alcohol. Christians have a providential opportunity in this moment to shine light into this particular darkness. So what can we be doing? Well, of course, we have to first be willing to admit if we ourselves have any of the symptoms of AUD, alcohol use disorder. We know that sin grows in the darkness. We know that we've got to bring things out into the light. So I would just encourage everybody listening, click that link and see what the symptoms of AUD are and ask yourself, honestly, does this look like me? Maybe ask your friends or your spouse or people who know you well, do you see these symptoms in me? I have really been encouraged by the transparency that I have seen lately from friends and other people who are in ministry. I've had the privilege of just being at a few different gatherings of men and women where ministry leaders have shared um, without stigma or without shame and said, hey, I drank too much during our COVID lockdowns and I've, I've had to stop. I've had to get it out of the house. Um, my spouse and I have had to have some hard conversations, but it's just been really encouraging to see people willing to say, to sort of put themselves out there and speak into this sort of taboo void. Um, I think especially in Christian communities, we're so tempted to act like we have it all together. You know, it feels like, oh, I can't, um, I can't actually show that I've been mastered by alcohol or that I'm struggling with it. I want to keep that under wraps because what will people think of me? But James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. So we want to be sharing, confessing, praying together, bringing things out into the light where we can talk about them and they can um, become less powerful. Um, I, I know this has been helpful for me personally, for me to say, you know, is it helpful for me to have wine in the house? Maybe not. Maybe I am looking for um, a comfort or a reward or, the, you know, something from wine that the Lord did not intend. So I just personally want to say those kinds of conversations have been sharpening and convicting and compelling and helpful to me as well. Um, you know, transparency begets transparency. As we are willing to be authentic and open with each other, um, that will only increase and it'll be like a cycle. So I think a vital tool in combating AUD is doing that together, talking about it with one another. This does not have to be a taboo topic. Um, the thing that I kept hearing in my DMs and in my emails over the past couple of days is that people feel very alone. They just feel very isolated. And so how can we just sort of keep this conversation going? How can we start the conversation and keep it going? So, um, yeah, just now I want to turn to looking at how we can be fostering supportive fellowship. How can we in the church be helping other people, um, pursue sobriety if that's their choice, if they're deciding, you know what, alcohol is not really a good option for me. Um, or I need to just be drinking it a lot less. I need to be pursuing temperance. Um, how can we be helping people do that? And I, I would just want to say, before I sort of give us some action steps, I think it's important that we have a really good theological foundation for these action steps. It's not that we are trying to impose rules 
or we're trying to sort of earn credit or earn favor in any way. The point is we want to battle alcohol dependency because it is a counterfeit. It provides false peace when we have access to real peace. You know, Jesus came that he would give us life abundantly. And so alcohol can then be a tool of the enemy to steal and kill and destroy life. But Jesus came that we would have life. So that's the whole point. The point isn't to be, you know, good Christian girls and boys. <laughs> the point isn't to sort of be moralistic and have, um, you know, credit for our good behavior. It's because abundant life is at stake and, and actual physical life is also at stake. I know that those who are battling alcohol dependency and are seeking sobriety often feel alone and ashamed, um, even and maybe even especially in Christian communities. I know my friends who are trying to not drink often are questioned at get-togethers, you know, even get-togethers of just church friends. And people are like, hey, why aren't you drinking? Here, have one with me. Um, what's going on? Why wouldn't you drink? I'm drinking. Have one. This is fun. And so I just think as, as Christians, especially when we get together, we want to be creating, we want to be setting the table that makes our friends feel like they can be successful in their battle for sobriety. I know that many times, um, we cause them to stumble and it's totally inadvertent, but to fulfill the law of Christ is to bear one another's burdens is what Galatians six chapter two says. So how can we do that? Well, here are a couple things, and these are in the article that I'll, I wrote and I will link, um, but I'll expand on them a little bit from what I wrote in the article, but here's just some really tangible steps I think we can take in terms of, um, just having more success in our fellowship gatherings and, and allowing them to, um, our friends who want to pursue a non-alcohol lifestyle, um, be successful. I think first we should really be considering how we talk about alcohol. I mean, even just flippantly and humorously, we talk about it in a way, you know, that it's a reward for a hard day or it's something we've just got to have for a good time. And as I said earlier, if we would pause and really drill down into what we're saying, the real meaning of those kinds of comments, honestly, they are foolish and they are false and they're even idolatrous. Like the, the way that we talk about wine, um, or a drink or margarita or whatever, um, we are, it's foolishness and it's false. And so I think, I guess I just want to remind myself and encourage you think about how you talk about alcohol and how you frame it. Um, I would just really encourage us to be thinking about how we share images of alcohol online. I know that those who are trying to abstain from alcohol, um, I have heard from friends who just say it's really hard when I see a gathering online and everybody's holding a glass of wine, you know, that triggers me. That makes me want to drink for the rest of the day. So can we steward our social media in such a way um, that's not going to be a stumbling block to our friends? I think we've really got to consider our the parties that we're hosting and how we sort of set the table when we have people over. Um, I think it's good to make ample space for those who want to stay sober. Like let's put non-alcoholic drinks in a really prominent location. Let's make um, creative and fun drinks without alcohol, make those obvious and available. Now, it doesn't mean you can't serve beer or wine or whatever, but just make sure those who don't want to drink um, are able to stumble across great non-alcoholic options as well. And then let's not push the booze on someone or question, why aren't they joining in? I think one thing you can do that's really helpful is if you know someone, if a friend um, is trying to quit, 
then just say, Hey, I'll quit with you. Like whenever we go somewhere together, I won't drink either. I will be um, your sober friend at that gathering. You can always count on me to be sober alongside you. I think that's a huge gift to our friends. Um, And then I think another thing we can be doing is just thinking about how our friends who are trying to quit might be triggered, you know, ask them, what are the circumstances that lead to your misuse of alcohol? How can I help you make some changes? Could we, um, perhaps exercise together instead of drink together? (laughs) Could we find a new hobby? Could we read a book? Um, can I come over and help you get rid of your alcohol? Can I help you find a counselor? Um, you know, some of those things might sound cheesy, but their alcohol is everywhere. So how can you help your friends remove it from their lives or remove these triggers from their lives? Um, in terms of finding a counselor or a support group, I just want to recommend Celebrate Recovery. I was actually with a friend today who's a Celebrate Recovery um, leader, like a, yeah, just a, a yeah, he leads a Celebrate Recovery group near where we live. And he said, yes, it's just such an excellent tool. Um, in the toolbox of those who are trying to recover from addiction. So celebrate recovery. I'll link that as well. And then I think we also just need to be considering how can we create a gospel atmosphere for our friends? You know, when anybody is trying to overcome addiction, anyone's trying to quit anything, there are going to be relapses. We know that Jesus Christ himself is full of grace and truth. So we who follow him must beg him to help us to be full of grace and truth. When our friends relapse, when they fail, and I think that statistics show that they will, um, or you and I will, if that's who we're talking about, then we need to be prepared with both grace and truth to respond to our friend. Each friend is unique. Each friend's um, misuse and issues is unique and stumbling blocks are unique. There's not really a one size fits all response, but let's ask God to help us. Let's be talking to one another. How can we respond to help get our friends back on track? Um, I think the bottom line is, you know, what I heard over the last 48 hours since that article came out, um, what I received, I received so many comments and, but a recurring question was, what does it look like to do this well in community? You know, how can I exercise wisdom and moderation in my community, or how can I promote temperance in my community? And I think it's really starts with just conversations. Like this does not have to be taboo. It does not have to be just radical that there was this article about alcohol use. Like this is something that we should be drinking for as talking about as prevalent as drinking is as common as it is. Um, how about let's make conversations about it just as common. Um, another question that I received from multiple people was, I find it difficult to what, you know, what should I do when I see someone, a friend or a group that is overindulging in alcohol use? How can I approach them without them thinking I am being judgmental? Again, I think we've just got to be having more conversations. I don't have a great answer to that question other than let's keep talking about this. It doesn't have to be something that we never really put words to. It can be something that we talk about graciously and frequently. Let's just put it out there and start chatting about it. Now, I just want to close with a final word of hope for you who are listening, who feel like, you know, maybe I am misusing alcohol. Maybe I am drinking too often. My word of hope to you is that you can overcome that. Um, I think the word of God, the people of God, and the spirit of God are the tools that you need, um, counseling and recovery groups as well. But you have the resources 
available to you to pursue this and go to a friend, go to somebody else in the church, share what's going on. Um, Jesus stands ready to restore you. You know, in John chapter 14, he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. We so often look to alcohol for false peace, but Jesus stands ready to provide you with deep and abiding and true and everlasting peace. So don't stay in isolation. Don't stay silent. Don't stay lonely in this anymore. Alcohol does not have to have that kind of power over you. You can bring it into the light and God's spirit and God's people and his word will help you overcome. Well, friends, let's keep the conversation going. I would just encourage you engage in your local community um, and make, maybe make some comments online. You know, this is not a conversation that has to stop with this podcast or with one article, but it can be a springboard into real change in our own local churches. So I encourage you to take a risk and start the conversation. Thanks for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now.